to a special episode of the adventures of online dating today is halloween so as a special episode i'm going to do a creeps in cocktails and today's cocktail is called red death and it calls for one half ounce of slow gin one half ounce of armoretto one half ounce of triple sec, one half ounce of Southern Comfort, one half ounce of vodka. Ooh, looks like I need to buy me some more vodka. And orange juice. Add ice. And it doesn't call to shake, but I enjoy the sound. Pour and enjoy. You got yourself a red death. So, like I said, today we are going to uh, do a Creeps in Cocktails. What better way to spend Halloween than to discuss scary stories? And what better way to spend Halloween on the adventures of online dating but to discuss horror stories of online dating? These are some stories that are on the internet. They're probably well known, but uh, they are stories to keep in mind when you are dating. So the first one is Grace Mullane. And like I said, these stories are known, so you probably have heard of it. But Grace Mullane was born on December 2nd, 1996 in Wickford, Essex, England. She traveled to Auckland, New, New Zealand for two weeks after spending six weeks in South America on a backpacking trip in December of 2018. During her two-week stay in Auckland, New Zealand, she disappeared. Her parents became concerned when she did not reply to a birthday message that they sent to her on December 2nd, 2018 and was reported missing three days later. During the investigation, she was seen on December 1st on Victoria Street, and 15 minutes later, she was seen via CCTV, closed circuit TV, at Sky City. She was last seen at 941 at the City Life Hotel on Queen Street with a man she met on Tinder. His name was Jesse Kempson. Tragically, the 21-year-old Grace Mullane's body was discovered buried in a suitcase on December 9th at 4 p.m. with strangulation marks on her neck and bruising consistent with being restrained. She was one day shy of her 22nd birthday. Kempson became a person of interest after CCTV showed he was in the last person to see her alive. He first claimed that she left his apartment at 10 p.m., but CCTV proved him to be incorrect. Kempson was taken into custody and admitted to murdering, murdering Grace on December 8, 2018, but he claimed she was accidentally killed during a session of consensual rough sex. 
He claimed that she had an interest in bondage and sadomasochism and asked him to choke her during sex, and it went wrong. The defense team states that Kempson panicked and tried to hide the body. The Crown, keep in mind this is in Australia, the Crown had three other female witnesses that Kempson had also met through Tender testify that he liked masochistic, masochistic behavior and bondage sex during choking, including choking. Wow. The Crown also uh, also had security camera footage of Kempson, Kempson renting a carpet cleaning machine. The Crown's expert witness pathologist Simon Stables testified that Grace had injuries consistent with being restrained and asphyxiated, meaning choked. The defense team states that these injuries were consistent with a consensual act. He was found guilty on November 22, 2019. He was sentenced to life in prison with a non-parole period of 17 years. By June 29, 2021, he has exhausted all his legal avenues to overturn his conviction. All his appeals were denied. He was also convicted in October 2020 of eight additional charges from attacks on other women, including a knife, using a knife against a woman between November 20, 2016 and April 2017. He was also convicted of another sexual assault on their first date, April 2018. These women all he met through Tinder. Our next story is also a tender story. Uh, Sydney Loof. Again, you probably heard the story. But she was born on August 21st, 1993 in Broken Bow, Nebraska. Sydney was a normal teenager and played base, b- basketball and golf while in school and loved fishing. She developed scoliosis while as a teenager, which hindered her from playing sports after that. Her graduation, after graduation, she worked at a local Menards. That's a, um, I guess, grocery store for all you uh, out of countries. She did suffer from anxiety and major depression. And days before she disappeared, she discussed her worsening mental condition with her family and saw a doctor to receive antidepressants. That was the last time her family saw her. Sydney met a young woman named Audrey on Tinder and agreed to meet up for a date on November 14, 2017. This date was in the basement of Audrey's house. Sydney agreed to another date with Audrey on the next day, November 15th, and was excited about her second date and even posted a Snapchat, a Snapchat picture with a caption, <clears throat> ready for my date. On November 16th, she did not show up for her scheduled shift at Menards. Her mother texted her and, after no response, reported her missing. The police did a welfare check the next day and found no evidence of an altercation, and her car, glasses, and purse were there, and her cat was not fed. Around the same time, the owners of the duplex where Sydney and Audrey had their first date in the basement complained of a strong bleach smell coming from the basement. Now, keep in mind, this is a different place. The smell was so strong, a family member reported getting sick and breaking out in hives. 
the air conditioning was on while being the cold month of November, so that didn't make sense, which was unusual for tenants because it was November. Luckily, Sydney told a friend of hers, Brooklyn McChrystal, of her Tinder date plans with Audrey. Brooklyn went searching for Audrey on Tinder. She was successful, swiped right on Audrey's profile. She messaged Audrey and, and was given a response of her phone number and was given and was she gave to the authorities. The police did a welfare check on the duplex after pinning down the duplex as the last place Sydney's phone pinged. Nobody was there, but using the landlord's key, they entered the duplex. Nothing was out of the ordinary except for an extreme smell of bleach. The next day, the police returned with a search warrant, but again, nothing was out of the ordinary. The residence of the duplex was Bailey Boswell and Aubrey Trail. Bailey Boswell was using the alias Audrey on Tinder. Boswell has a history of substance use and abusive relationships. Boswell moved to Princeton, Iowa to rebuild her life, but was unsuccessful. She met Trail through a now-defunct sex marketplace back page looking for a sugar daddy. Trail also had a history of abuse and growing up in poverty, along with a history of being in and out of juvenile detention centers until landing in prison as a teenager for armed robbery. On November 28th, Boswell and Trail became persons of interest. The two responded, uh, making a post, uh, a post in Facebook live stream, declaring their innocence and defending themselves. They were arrested for fraud in a motel room in Branson, Missouri, which was not related to Sidney Luff's case. Sydney's remains were found on December 4th and 5th. The search team found many 30-gallon black trash bags containing body parts, sex toys, apparel, and other items along a gravel road one hour west of Wilbur. During the trial, Trail made several contradicting confessions and even confessed from jail that he solely killed Sydney. One of his confessions consisted of the trio participating in a sexual fantasy involving choking where she died as an accident. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Some of his confessions seemed credible, including tipping authorities off to a location to which, where they found Sydney's smartphone, driver's license, and credit cards. On June 11, 2018, Boswell and Trail were charged with murder in the first degree and improper disposal of human remains. At the end of June, Trail lashed out in court and declared Boswell's innocence and attempted to stab himself in the neck. He did survive his injury, and Boswell and Trail was both convicted of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and improper disposal of human skeletal remains. Trail's appeals were all denied, and he was given the death penalty. Boswell was sentenced to life in prison. In a separate case, they were also convicted as defrauding hundreds of thousands of dollars from interstate coin buyers. Our third story is also across the pond. This one is in England. His name is Stephen Port. Stephen Port was born February 22, 1975, in South 
and on sea Essex, England. But he grew up in Dagenham in East London. He was a loner and he did get bullied by other kids during school. But his neighbors also stated that he was a child, had a childlike personality with odd behaviors for a grown man, including playing with children's toys. After school, uh, after, you know, like, I guess the equivalent to high school, after school, he went to art college, but it was too expensive and could not afford it. So he became a chef instead and even had a brief appearance on the show Master Chef. I got to watch that now. Probably the master chef from England. Aren't there several? But anyways, a romantic partner uh, once ended a relationship with him due to this childish behavior. Oh, that cocktail's good. I hope you all enjoy that Red Death, man. That stuff's, it's dangerous too. Oh, yeah. But he came out as being gay in the mid-20s and lived with his parents till the 30s. I can't blame him on that. I'm 52 living with my parents. He met his victims on the dating site Grindr, which is a gay and bisexual social networking, dating, and hookup app. On his profile, he would state that he graduated from Oxford University and served in the Royal Navy, and even stating his occupation as a special needs teacher. So basically, he lied, just like everybody seems to do on these dating sites. He would add, Port would add GHB, that is a date rape, date rape drug, to his victims' drinks and then rape them and murder four men in his apartment. All four men died of a drug overdose with high levels of GHB, but he would also use amyl nitrate, which is a poppers, Viagra, methadrone and methamphetamine which is crystal meth his first murder victim was anthony walgate a 23 year old fashion student didn't even haven't even lived his life walgate occasionally worked as an escort and on june 17th 2014 port pretending to be a client offered Walgate $800, which would be the equivalent to $929.52, I looked it up, for his services and met at Port's flat. At the flat, Port drugged Walgate with GHB and raped him. Walgate died from a fatal drug overdose of the GHB. And in the early morning on June 19th, the next day, Port dragged his body outside on the pavement and used his own phone to call for an ambulance, stating a young boy was found uh, after having a seizure, collapsed, or was drunk, and then went inside. Made the phone call and went inside. Another victim, Gabriel Kavari, actually lived with Port for a bit after moving from Slovakia to London. His body was found in a graveyard of the Church of the of Saint Margaret of Antonat in Barking. The third victim, Daniel Whitworth, who was who was twenty one, also worked as a chef. His body was also found in that same graveyard, and uh, they were even discovered by the same woman walking her dog. Obviously, on different days, though. 
Report planted a fake suicide note suggesting that he was responsible for the death of Kavari and killed himself out of guilt. The fourth victim was Jack Taylor, who was 25, who lived with his parents and worked as a forklift driver. His body was found in the park adjacent to the church. Grinder was not the only site Port used. He would also use sites like Sleepy Boy, Fit Lads, Badu, Gadar, Flirt, Daddy Hunt, Planet Romeo, Manhunt, Slave Boys, and Couch Surfing. I haven't heard of any of those except for, um, what was it, Badu? But um, on November 23rd, Port was convicted of the assaults by penetration, rapes, and murders of Walgate, Kavari, and Whitmer, Whit, Whitmore, <laughs> and Jack Taylor. He was also convicted of three other rapes of men he drugged, and he was found guilty of all counts uh, in the court. Port's GHB dealer, uh, Gerald uh, Matavo, was also arrested and convicted of rape and murder using the same technique as Port. These were unrelated cases, though, but it's kind of interesting that his uh, drug dealer was also doing the same thing he was. The next story is actually on a site that a lot of people call a legitimate dating site, which from recent experience, personal experience, uh, that's a BS. Match.com is just as bad as all the others. There's just as many fake profiles. People are just as rude. It's the same everywhere. But back then, it was actually a pretty good site. But now, you know, there, there's nobody seems to be watching these sites. So, but uh, Mary Beckman decided to look for love again on Match.com. And only after a few days was matched up with a guy named Wade Ridley. They talked on the site for days and then a few days after that decided to meet up. She googled him, good girl, and attempted to research him but did not find much. I understand that. There's sometimes that it just doesn't happen. She even told her girlfriends she was meeting him and dated him for 10 days. She did not like his jealous nature and decided to break it off and texted him that it just wasn't working for her. And broke it off. He attempted to contact her a few times more, but she did not answer. Three months later, on January 21st, 2011, Beckman was attacked at, outside her home. Ridley stabbed her ten times with a butcher knife until the knife broke. While she was in the hospital, the police was actually looking for Ridley in connection of a murder of another ex-girlfriend of his that he met on Match.com named Ann Simonson. Simonson, well, yeah. She was attacked and killed with a machete. He was arrested in Las Vegas, and while in police custody, Ridley confessed to the attacks on both women. Ridley spoke about Beckman, stating that he was, and these are quotes, and this is from his arrest record. Quote, and then I just went into a rage. I went and grabbed one of her butcher knives. People that I've hurt were people that have hurt me first. 
My brain just blew up. I have no idea what happened to her. I don't know if she lived. I don't know if she died. We met on Match.com, just like Annie. I wanted her to pay for her attitude, whether it was death or incapacitation or whatever. Uh, end quote. Uh, Ridley has, he does have a diagnosis of a bipolar and even had prior conviction of exhibiting a deadly weapon while resisting arrest with a previous assault. Well, for Beckman's assault, and I've heard this several, several ways. He was sentenced to 28 to 70 years in prison. Now, I heard, or I should say I read, I didn't hear anything. I read in several places that that was for Beckman's assault. But then I also read that that was for Simonson's murder and that he died in prison before the, uh, the trial could happen for Beckman. So I'm not sure which is true because I've seen it both ways. And then I've even seen where he died in prison before uh, he, a trial happened. But then how did he get to 28 to 70 years? But like I said, he did die in prison from an apparent suicide on May of 2012. I don't have a lot of uh, information on that, but that's what I got. And I even saw where uh, Beckman uh, was suing Match.com for $10 million because he should not have been matched up with her. Now, there is a statute, and I wish I had it written down because I don't have it written down, that protects these sites where, um, you know, it's kind of like Facebook, where if somebody writes a post on Facebook that um, somebody does harm to somebody else, Facebook can't be sued, but that person can. I don't know the results of that lawsuit. Um, That would be nice, because I do think that there is something that could be done to make sure that, you know, the people that are on the site are legit and with uh, no criminal background. Or, you know, even if they just kind of told you what the criminal background was. Because, you know, yeah, uh, assault and domestic violence and that, I would not go on a date for, with anybody. You know, that that's just ridiculous. But if somebody got arrested for shoplifting, that would be something else. But uh, that is Mary Beckman. This story to me is the scariest. Uh, it happened on Plenty of Fish, um, another one of those sites. And it's uh, Adam Hillary. He was a 27-year-old father. And like I said, this was on Plenty of Fish. And he met up with Haley Bustos for a night of bowling in Auburdale, Florida on August 19th, 2016. She uh, ended up at his house. And obviously, you know, eventually he took her home. And she even texted him that she had a great night and would like to see him again. Well, she saw him the next night when she brought over three other men to his place to rob him of his TVs, Xbox, and iPhone. Uh, The robbery somehow escalated and one of the men shot Hillary in the head, killing him, although not instantly. Uh, These three men were Andre Warner, who was the one who shot him, Gary Gray, and Joshua Ellington. 
And they were arrested on charges of conspiracy to robbery, robbery with a firearm, and first-degree murder. And uh, like I said, nobody knows why the escalation of the robbery happened. But according to arrest reports, Hillary was uh, begging for his life. He was begging not to, uh, not to kill him because he has a five-year-old daughter. He did not put up any kind of fight. And was, again, begging for his life. But uh, Warner shot him anyways, execution style, in the back of the head. The four were found after a witness reported that they saw Hillary with Bustos. And she was picked up at unrelated burglary charges. Bustos stated that she was paid $50 to set up the robbery. And as she was in the car, along with one of the other gentlemen, I think Ellington, while the other two robbed and killed Hillary. Warner uh, says that the man that shot, was the man that shot Hillary in the head, execution style, was convicted on March 20th, 2020, with a recommend, recommendation of the death penalty. Warner was the first to face a trial. Bustos accepted a plea deal, and I did not, I couldn't find what the plea deal was and what the other two got. And uh, it doesn't also say if he did get the death penalty or if he got life imprisonment, but honestly, neither one of those is good enough. I mean, shooting a man who just took you out, had a good time bowling. And you bring three men over to his house to rob him. That was ridiculous. But uh, those are the scary stories, aren't they? They kind of made me uh, double think about uh, online dating. But, um, you know, I'm sure I'll still go out. But as long as you follow those safety tips, believe me, I'm not victim blaming. Because the only fault of these guys, of the this whole, all this crime is the criminal themselves. It's not the victim's fault. But you will be safer if you don't let people come over to your house the first night, even the first couple of nights. And, uh, you know, just like Beckman did, she called and told uh, her girlfriends where she was. Luckily, she survived. And, uh, you know, meet in a public place and all that stuff, then, you know, You'll be fine. And Beckman, I mean, she even did the background checks. That's also very good. She didn't find anything, but, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you don't. And that's the scary thing. But uh, I hope you all have a wonderful and safe Halloween. And I will see you later. Bye. Bye.